0: Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke, uniting coaches at every level of the game, around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linke.
1: I'm Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap, and we've got another great show. Back by popular demand, open training week for United Soccer Coaches returns April 1st through 7. United Soccer Coaches looking for 200 college and professional organizations to serve as host, and then they'll open up registration for anyone to attend. Leslie Gallimore, past president of United Soccer Coaches, now in her 26th and final season as the head coach of the University of Washington Women's Soccer Team. Her program will host an open training session as part of this open training week, and she's on to tell us why it's great to be a host and why it's great to attend. As many of you know now, U.S. Soccer decided to table the proposed bylaw that would give United Soccer Coaches a vote as part of the... U.S. Soccer's Board of Directors. Lynn Burling-Manuel was on a couple weeks ago, and then Andy Hiley, great lawyer who played at Davidson under Charlie Slagle, he was on on our last podcast talking about being at the AGM, with a chance to try to make this happen. It was tabled for further communication. Andy Hiley will give us an update on that bylaw proposed by United Soccer Coaches, tabled at the moment by U.S. Soccer. We will go Evergreen. Ernie Yarborough, longtime assistant coach for Indiana. He was assistant coach for Michigan, UAB. He was head coach at Stetson. Now the head coach at Marion in Indiana. It's an NAIA school. Talk about a guy who has worked tirelessly to be a part of the game as an assistant coach and a head coach. The ups and downs, Ernie Yarbrough breaks it all down for us. I think you'll enjoy it. And since that was an Indiana theme, we'll spend time with the folks from the Indiana Soccer Podcast on the Hoosier Network. They were standing around podcast row, so we put them on, Eddie Cotton and Josh Eastern. That's our show, and it starts after this message from Team Snap.
2: Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more.
1: United Soccer Coaches is excited to once again host Open Training Week from April 1st through the 7th in cities across the country. Men's and women's teams at the college and professional levels will welcome local soccer coaches in their communities to attend a training session with the goal of uniting coaches around the love of the game. The nationwide initiative provides an opportunity for coaches from all levels and backgrounds to experience new environments, observe high-level training sessions, share ideas, and learn from one another. So, if you are a united soccer coaches member please consider hosting an open training session with your program at your facility it's free and easy to get registered and a great way to promote your program and stay plugged into your local coaching community once again registration is now open for hosts right now a set time date and location for the open training will be required for registration along with a point of contact for planning purposes now last year They received over 175 college and professional organizations that was part of this incredible host opportunity. This year, United Soccer Coaches would like to top 200. And one of the hosts last year, someone who's always involved with United Soccer Coaches, is, of course, our immediate past president of United Soccer Coaches, and now in her 26th and final season as the head coach of the University of Washington women's soccer team, the great Leslie Gallimore. Leslie, thanks for being with us.
3: Oh, I appreciate
1: it, Dean. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and you're on specifically to talk about the value of hosting. It's great for your university, and it's great for everybody involved, right?
3: Yeah, you know, um, I've been here along with my associate head coach Amy Griffin for, you know, she's been here going on 24 years, me going on 26, and um, you know, we're we're not a, a top level program without the com- uh, community in Seattle that we have involved, and we've been proud to to have them feel as though they're a part of our program. So, open training for us was a, kind of a no brainer. It's uh, it was the brainchild of past president Charlie Slagle and. I thought it was a great idea, and I think it's great that the association has embraced it. Um, for us, it's something we've sort of done on and off. I mean, we've we've really had a lot of interest in people wanting to, coaches especially, wanting to come out and watch our trainings, and we tend to keep them open most of the time. There's very uh, few times where if someone were to ask us if they could come watch a session, that we would say no. So um, this is just a little bit more formal way to, uh, one, promote the program, and two, like you said, connect with our local coaching community and, uh, you know, create a new fan base.
1: Leslie, if you can, spend some time talking about or giving some tips on how to host a successful open training.
3: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, registering early and starting to put the date out there on your own website and reminding people that it's, it's available and giving them the information so they can sign up. And, uh, the association from the the national office in Kansas city does a good job of that too. Um, but it's, again, I think, uh, the earlier you can kind of get the word out there as to the time and place and where you'll be and what it involves. And, um, is great and i think the idea that not only can they watch a training session but they'll that you know providing a handout of what the session is and then having q and a before and after the session um helps get the coaches involved and obviously helps us network with the people that that take the time to um to to show up
1: Now, you know better than anybody probably that Open Training Week, as written by United Soccer Coaches, embodies the association's core values of advocacy, education, and service and ties in with the Commitment to Culture Initiative, specifically the cornerstone of We Are Family Strong. Why is that important to you, Leslie? Leslie?
3: I just think that, you know, when we when we talk about uniting around the love of the game, that we soccer is one big family and, and, you know, we want to be inclusive, not exclusive. And this is just another way to, again, you know, there's people that look at college coaches and think, wow, either I aspire to that level or they don't have time for me, they're too big time or whatever. And um, I think this is kind of um dispels that myth or that feeling and and if you you know reach out to club coaches high school coaches rec coaches whoever wants to come and um, have a conversation about the game it creates more of a family feel and family atmosphere and i think in this country it's really important
1: paint a picture for us if you can if they show up for open training is there dialogue before during and after paint that picture if you could
3: yeah, what we tend to do, and what I, you know, I recommend is, is you know, you get the list of coaches beforehand, and their information is on there. I, I've tried to in the past send the session ahead of time, so I'll do a, a written session on, you know, the, the graphics that with the graphics and the explanation of what the session is going to entail. Um, and if I can't get it a, out ahead of time on email and kind of introduce myself, then for sure we'll have it when they show up that morning. We'll kind of talk through what we talk through with the players, you know, what the expectations are, how it's supposed to go, why. we're we're doing this particular session on this particular day, um, and then um, and then we'll go and, and get after it. And then <laughs> once the session's over. I tend to have the coaches a little bit like, as in coaching education is to ask them for some feedback, what they liked, what they thought was either confusing or where they thought maybe even I could have done better or been more clear or how they thought the players did um, reacting to, did they get better from the beginning to the end of the session? There's all kinds of ways you can frame it um, to make it a great and educational experience for everybody.
1: So if you have questions about United Soccer Coaches Open Training Week and specifically want to be a host, you can email membership at dot. Now, once they do get all the hosts, and again, we're hoping for more than 200, then it's about attendees. And there's a little kicker as well. If you're not a United Soccer Coaches member, you can register to attend one of the free sessions and get a free six-month introductory membership. You can see firsthand the benefits that come with the United Soccer Coaches membership. And Leslie, from where you sit, this is great exposure to what United Soccer Coaches is all about.
3: 100. You know, and and I, you know, members that do sign up, I encourage them to bring friends that are non members so that they can get a a feel for what the association provides um, to our membership and what a great advocacy group we are and an educational group and a service group. Um, And, you know, I think it's a a great way to connect to the community and and also to, you know, begin, especially if you're early on in your career, to begin to network and just put yourself in a position where you have different educational opportunities maybe than the ones um, you've been used to, and, and our association certainly provides that.
1: All right, so now you know, Leslie Gallimore, University of Washington, 100% in on being a host. We want you also to host. And then those of you listening that want to attend, make sure you get up to date on every organization that is hosting. Okay. Leslie Gallimore reminded everybody she was one heck of a player, a U.S. national team player. She had a great career, 26 years now at Washington, a great advocate for United soccer coaches, including being the president. And Leslie, you announced after the convention that this is your last and final year at Washington, 26 great years. Tell us about that decision.
3: Yeah, you know, it just makes you feel a little bit old, but I, I, I feel like I still have a lot to give to the game. and. Um, and I do feel like personally that I'm at a, a place in my life where you count 26 years at Washington, um, four at San Diego State, four at Cal, my alma mater as an assistant coach, and then the four years I played. That's 34 coaching Division One soccer and 38 as a coach and a player. And that's a that's a big chunk of my life. And uh, if there's ever a time to to try something maybe different or to figure out a different way to have an impact, I just feel that uh, the timing is good for that. And I've been really blessed to sit in this chair for as long as I have. And um, most people would say in, in you know, soccer terms that uh, it's been a good shift, and I'm hoping to make this last one count and leave this place the way it deserves to be left, which is um, better than I found it. And um, you know, it's, it's emotional for, for all of us because it's, it's been such a special journey, um, but it's, uh, I'm also excited about whatever the future holds for me, which I don't know what that is yet, and I've, I've got some time to think about it, but I do know that um, I'm excited to um, expand my horizons a little.
1: Yeah, and for those of us who know Leslie Gallimore, even just a little bit, uh, you know that whatever she does, it'll be done in a first-class fashion with integrity. Leslie Gallimore, great way to kick off our show. Thanks so much for being with us.
3: I really appreciate it, Dean.
1: Thanks. Okay, we go from Leslie Gallimore, the immediate past president of United Soccer Coaches, back to Andy Hiley, who is a board member for United Soccer Coaches, one of three at-large board members, particularly because he is such an accomplished lawyer. And if you remember hearing from Andy Hiley in our last podcast, he was headed to the AGM for U.S. Soccer to try to get a bylaw passed that would give United Soccer Coaches a direct vote as part of the U.S. Soccer Federation Board. That was tabled for further discussions. We'll get an update from Andy Hiley after this message. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Staff. I want to thank Leslie Gallimore, past president of United Soccer Coaches, for starting the show as promised. We're rejoined by Andy Hiley. He is on the board of directors for United Soccer Coaches. As you know, the past couple podcasts we've been focused on the proposed bylaw by United Soccer Coaches with. U.S. Soccer. And Andy, why don't you start by kind of resetting what this is all about?
4: Thanks, Dean, for having me on the show. And uh, just to give a little context, the United Soccer Coaches is a member of the United States Soccer Federation. Uh, We're one of hundreds of members, but within that organization, there are only two members that don't get to vote for a representative on the board of directors. It's the United States, uh, excuse me, United Soccer Coaches Association the United States Armed Forces Sports Council. And so we were looking to amend the bylaws of the U.S. Soccer Federation to allow both those organizations to vote for a director.
1: Okay, now with that, uh, you've heard us reference tabled or deferred. Tell us exactly what happened out in Arizona at the U.S. Soccer Annual General Meeting.
4: Okay, well there are five groups really that have representation on the Board of Directors. There's the professionals. There's the uh, adult council, the youth council, and uh, the athletes council. And then the fifth group is called the at-large council, and and that's what we're a group of, the uh, member of, the the at-large council. All those other groups have representatives on the board. The at-large council has one representative on the board, but even though we're a member of that group, we don't get to vote for that board member. So what happened at the annual meeting was that Essentially, we had to get a two-thirds vote from all the other members to approve our bylaw proposal to allow us to vote for the at-large member of the board. Uh, When the discussion occurred, uh, the Athletes Council raised some concerns and said, we're not sure of all the implications of this bylaw change. We'd like to refer it back to the Rules Committee to study what would be the results of this bylaw change. And so ultimately that motion to refer it back to the rules committee was voted on and our substantive motion about whether to amend the bylaw to allow us to vote was not actually voted on. So uh, what happened was it got sent back to this rules committee and it'll be reconsidered at the next annual meeting, which unfortunately is a a year from now. So until that point, Uh, we as kind of the voice for coaches uh, don't get to vote for a board member on the U.S. Soccer Federation board. Uh, Hopefully a year from now we'll get this bylaw approved. It'll come out of the rules committee and uh, we'll get the two-thirds vote we need. But until that point, we still don't have a vote.
1: What was your reaction and the other members of United Soccer Coaches when that went down and Follow that up with what uh, you're going to need to do here now in the next year.
4: Well, we were disappointed. I mean, we felt very optimistic uh, after meeting with all of the different councils that I mentioned. uh, Nobody raised any objections or any concerns. We met with each of those groups individually before the the general meeting where the vote occurred. And uh, so going in, we felt relatively optimistic, but kind of like in a soccer game, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and so, you know, this issue was raised at the meeting. It had not been raised before, Uh, and so we were disappointed, and and I will say so were several other members of the U.S. Soccer Federation. There was a lot of support uh, expressed by other uh, members uh, for our position, but ultimately, you know, that substantive issue about whether to extend the vote to us was not decided or voted on. And we were kind of caught up in this procedural issue. So, uh, as I mentioned before, I think I consider it kind of like a tie in a soccer game. We didn't win. We didn't lose. We kind of have to kick the can down the road. Unfortunately, it's a long road because it's a year from now that this issue will come back up before the U.S. Soccer Federation. What we'll do between now and then is uh, we'll work with the Rules Committee to make sure that they give kind of the stamp of approval to our uh, proposed language for this amendment. And we'll also continue to communicate with all the various councils, the pro council, the athlete council, the youth council, the adult council, to make sure that any concerns they have are also addressed. But, you know, anytime you change voting rights, there's always going to be a little bit of concern or controversy about that. So we weren't totally surprised. We were just a little bit disappointed in the sense that we felt like we had addressed all the concerns that had been raised before this meeting, and then it was only in the meeting that this new concern was brought up for the first time.
1: Final thoughts for our members on how they can help or get involved or anything that you definitely want us to know?
4: Well, I guess, you know, the the individuals who attend these meetings are the executive directors or the presidents of uh, youth soccer associations and adult soccer associations, uh, the representatives from the MLS, the representatives from uh, USL, and they're athletes. So, you know, to the extent that you have uh, contacts within those various groups, and when I say athletes, members of our, our national teams, uh, to the extent you have contracts within those various groups, certainly uh, I think it's important that coaches have a voice in the governing body for soccer in the U.S., which is the U.S. Soccer Federation. So let those people know that you think that the vote should be expanded to include. United Soccer Coaches Association and uh, the U.S. Armed Forces uh, Sports Council because they bring, they and, and we bring, uh, different voices to the table. And the underlying reason why we don't have a vote right now is because we don't register players, but we think it's important that coaches are directly represented in the body that governs soccer in the U.S. So that's why we're pushing for this. And so, again, if, if any of our members have connections with people uh, in these various organizations that comprise the U.S. Soccer Federation, please let them know that you think it's important that coaches have a direct vote uh, and a say in what happens with soccer in America.
1: Once again, a great update from Andy Hiley, one of 10 members on United Soccer Coaches Board of Directors, reminding you that Andy actually, former soccer player, played for Charlie Slagle, former president of United Soccer Coaches at Davidson from 90 to 93. After Davidson, he lived in Japan, and attended law school in Stanford. He practiced corporate and tax law for 10 years, and now he is a big-time professor at the Elon Law School in Greensboro. Andy, thanks uh, for all you do, and we'll look forward to tracking this uh, a year from now to see if uh, we can get this bylaw passed. Appreciate you being on.
4: Dean, thanks for having me on, and, and I look forward to reporting success next time I'm on your show. Thank you, Andy. Coming up next, an
1: interview with Ernie Yarborough: the ups and downs of being a soccer coach, particularly at the collegiate level, the highs and the lows. Ernie Yarbrough's experienced it all. You'll enjoy his interview that we did in Chicago as part of the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Ernie Yarbrough, head coach at Marion. It's an NAIA school in Indiana. Ernie is next.
0: United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.
1: The United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap some great evergreen material here on podcast row as part of the 2019 united soccer coaches convention i gotta admit i saw ernie yarborough walk by me earlier and i'm like man i want to talk to him because i've known him forever and he knows that it's not easy to be a coach it's not easy in this business there's ups and there's downs and then downs and then ups and everything else and Ernie I want to walk you through that because you
5: you still do it all with I mean just a smile I mean you've got a great soul so it's great to be with you my man. Well, I appreciate it Dean thank you very much you've been a fan of yours for a number of years and obviously the great work you do with the Big Ten is is tremendous for the league and not only for us but for the sport. I know you're branching out to do some other sports with both the Big Ten Network as well as I think now the ACC opportunities you get down in Chapel Hill and. It's been great to see you on air all the years and and develop the great friendship we have.
1: Yeah, I know. I love it. I really do. So let's hear your story, okay? You grew up where and what other sports did you play? When did you know
5: you were going to be a goalie? Well, I grew up in South Jersey, a small town between Atlantic City and Cape May down the coast, what they would call the Jersey Shore, although MTV depicted that a little differently than maybe I had. (laughs) Um, But I did a lot of activities, you know, growing up. I'm a big believer in in diversifying your athletic opportunities. I was a big baseball player, played some basketball, obviously played soccer at the time, Uh, was a big sailor. A lot of people don't know that about me. Wow. Uh, Nationally competitive in that as well, and I'm a pretty good golfer, too. Uh, but that came from when I moved to Florida, so that, that part's later in the story. Uh, but when I, the soccer piece came probably about 11 or 12 years old, you know, a couple of local families wanted me to play and the goalkeeping piece came about like anything else. We needed someone to, to step in and take the role and, you know, I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of lead from the back, if you will, um, and kind of fell in love with the opportunity to be the man to make plays and, and be counted on to make plays. And, and so that kind of is how it started. I then moved to Florida for high school, my ninth grade year, um, was kind of biding time until the baseball season came around, and in Florida, soccer is in the winter, and so I was like, oh, you know, I I play soccer a little bit, so I'll go out and try out and see how it goes, and things went well, Uh, made the JV team my freshman year, Um, was the third or fourth string keeper there, and eventually by the end of the year became the starter and never sat in high school again, became the starter of varsity my sophomore year, and Went well after that and certainly obviously things, you know, kind of tailspin from there and getting recruited by IU and playing for them for five years and then fortunate enough to play for a year and a half as a what now is a semi professional, I guess. Uh, before getting back into coaching. So obviously you're a great athlete because phenomenal <laughs> athletes play and go. I mean, you're yeah, coming up sure in an area, I mean, Tony Miola
1: you know, was drafted in Major he League was. Baseball, right? Brad Friedo was a pretty good athlete uh, as well. I mean, Casey Keller, I mean, you, man, you talk about coming up in the area of big time <laughs> goalies. Why
5: Indiana, Ernie? Because I know nobody bleeds it like you do now, but uh, why back then? You know, it's interesting. Growing up on the East Coast, um, you have a lot of different schools that you're looking at and different personalities that you're around. You know, I was growing up in the era of the Big East coming alive. You know, I was a big Villanova basketball and Roly Massimino and Lou Carnesecca with the sweaters and John Thompson with the towel and all those personalities. And I always said I wouldn't go to Indiana because Bobby Knight coached there. Mm-hmm. And I, that was the chair-throwing era and sure. different things that were going on. Uh, but my junior year in high school, a buddy of mine moved to our high school, and we watched the 1988 National Championship game. Uh, between IU and Howard uh, as well as a Liverpool Everton FA Cup final. It was on the same VHS tape back in the day and uh, I just said you know what I want to play at that level. I I think I have the ability to play. I'd always thought growing up baseball at Arizona State or Miami or Mississippi State at the time and you know those type. I watch College World Series all the time and when I saw the IU Howard game and the 10,000 people in the stands and all that stuff I said "I I can do that and you know, I just kind of festered a dream to or fostered a dream rather to go and do that. And I went to their camp before my senior year. I had an exceptional week. Um, played against the likes of Chad Deering, Armando Betancourt, some of the guys that had played there in the eighties, um, and stood my own and I started to realize like this is something I can do. And fortunately my senior year, I got a call from Don Rawson said, Hey, we liked what we saw and we're gonna come down to a winter tournament and watch you play again. And I guess I played well again. And come March, I was on a visit. First person I met was Juergen summer. Uh, Yeah, He's another one. Yeah, and went through you know, the visit and came away knowing that that was a place that I could see myself in the future. And really it was an easy decision. Um, arrived in Bloomington August of 91 and basically didn't know anybody but coach and really kind of fell in love with the guys in the program, became friends and roommates with Todd Yeagley. Uh, and it's kind of just fostered from there. And, and this great family we have that you know of uh, become a very integral part of the success over the last 20 years. You and Melanie Snyder like to give me a hard time about <laughs> the whole Godfather
1: thing. We had two pretty good sessions with we did. the Godfather. What do you remember about the first time where you met the
5: Godfather, Jerry Yagley? <clears throat> the first time, well... It was a camp. Was the first impression, you know. Obviously, he is who he is. It was Father's Day, the first day I showed up, and so I remember everyone giving him the love of being a great father and the program's father and all that stuff. Uh, but my first impression, really, that I that I recall succinctly was when we went on my visit. Uh, my father and I walked into the office, and on the on the desk, he had the Mac, what what is now the Mac Herman Trophy, the crystal ball. And next to it he had the golden the golden boot for the best goalkeeper. And he said, Oh, we're gonna do some honoring at the basketball game tonight. We had to pull these out, you know, Ken won this and Jurgen won this and blah, blah blah. And I and I remember walking out of the office and my father goes, That's like a football player walking into the coach's office at Notre Dame and saying, well, this is what we're gonna give the quarterback, but you play linebacker, so you win this award. Yeah. And it wasn't like so you think one he or the other, it was two of them at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And, and so it was a very favorable impression of that, and then wow. later in the visit, you know, we sat down, and you know, we, we got a chance to kind of talk and ask questions, and you just, there's something about him, as you know, um, that's very honest, it's straightforward, Uh, but it makes you feel good about yourself and the opportunity he's going to give you. You're there now, Ernie, and you're in Bloomington. Everybody falls in love with
1: it. You played a little bit, but not a ton. Mm -hmm. How hard was
5: that? Well, I think anytime you're a competitor, it's tough when you're not getting exactly what you want out of it. I won't say it was easy, um, but I also understood where I came from versus what I was going against. Um, You know, I was coming into a program where You had regional team players, national level players, guys that, when I was in college, were going with the U-20s and the Olympic team. You know, Brian Mazenoff and Todd Yeagley in particular won national players of the year while we were there. Um, But I also understood that I could compete. I also knew that I wasn't out of my depth in that respect. And so I was comfortable in my role. I was happy to be part of the program. I remember going back to my high school at some point in the first year or two saying, if I never play, I know I'll graduate from Indiana University because I really enjoyed where I was at that point in my life. Was I happy I wasn't playing? Certainly not. But at the same time, I knew I had a role, I knew that what I was doing was important, and I knew that if I did things correctly over the course of the next three or four years, there was going to be some opportunity for me in something. Whether it was going into soccer, who knows, But more importantly, getting an education, getting the opportunity to know people who could help you down the line and all those things that you talk about with players now, making sure they're taking care of their relationships as they go through. Um, And that was the thing coach was very honest about. You know, there was never a a, a never a hey, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. This is what we see you as. This is what we expect. Anything else you can do from there on is going to be up to you. Um, and, that, and it was great to have, just have the opportunity to, to compete. So what happens next then? You get your degree
1: at Indiana. No one can ever take that away no. from you. Somehow you ended up at Michigan, which
5: I'm pretty <laughs> excited about as well. Like, what happened yeah. first? So I finished playing, uh, and I went on a, a little tour of of kind of trials back in the U.S. early USL days. I had an opportunity down in Charleston. Uh, great coach, Nuno Patera, gave me an opportunity down there to come trial. Good guy. Had an offer. Uh, but it wasn't what I was looking for at the time in terms of moving and year-round commitments and different things. So I moved back to, or I was back in Indianapolis area. There was a sense that there was a team coming in Indy, uh, and Coach basically gave me a great piece of advice. He said, said, look, your type of play isn't flashy. You need to just get on a team, get on a roster, and your quality shows over time. And so as the team in Indy developed, that's pretty much what I did for a year. I, I got into that group, and very similar to IU, about halfway, two thirds of the way through the season, my opportunity came uh, and we went to a national quarterfinal that summer. Uh, had a great experience as a semi-professional and that fall or end of the summer, coach comes calling and says, hey, we'd like you to come back and start working with the goalkeepers um, down in Bloomington a couple days a week. I said, well, if I'm gonna come back and, and do the coaching piece, I'd really like to go to school. Like I don't wanna be in Bloomington and not be going to school. And so I had an opportunity to go to grad school, uh, took that, was there 97 to 99 as a volunteer assistant in the era when volunteers couldn't be paid at all. No camp, no in department opportunities, no campus opportunities. So I, I did a lot of coaching in club, um, traveling to camps, worked at, you know, I remember John Rennie at Duke, uh, worked at his camp for, for a summer. Um, and when he, <laughs> when he got my application, he called me and he said, why do you want to work at Duke? And I said, well, coach, you know, I, I'm working at IU. I can't earn anything here. I said, I really respect your program, and coach speaks very highly of you. All right, good enough. And I think he thought I was a spy. Like he, Jerry was sending me down there as a spy. But right. it worked out. Uh, you know, 97 to 99 were kind of some of the best teams we ever had there. I think coach referenced today in one of his talks about being 23-0. and 0, No one had ever done that. Um, and I can remember sitting on that bench, and we lost. And... It took me about 30 seconds to a minute to realize that we didn't have a chance to get the goal back because we lost in overtime and we had won every game. And so I was like, oh, we'll get, you know, wait, that's not going to happen. And so I had the conversation with my father after the game. We had lost in the final four my freshman year. We lost in the final my fourth year at IU to Virginia. And now we've lost in the semifinal my first year coaching. And I remember looking at my father and saying, I'm just not meant to win a national championship. This isn't going to happen. He said, just remember how good it'll feel when you do. Mm-hmm. And fortunately enough, 98, uh, we had another fabulous team um, and we were able to win that year over Stanford. And, and Corey Wolfolk, a good friend of mine now who worked at Michigan with me, was on that team. And Jaime Clark and some of the other guys that played there. And Bobby was coaching a great team, great game for us. Uh, and then to be able to repeat 99 was fabulous. So, you know, that kind of steamrolled things moving forward as a coach. Uh, then a great opportunity came in 2000 to work with Steve Burns and kind of start the program at Michigan. So, you were there the first year? I was. I, wow. I came in, uh, Steve hired me in basically the end of May, beginning of June. I took the summer to work camps and things, and I moved up there with my family or my wife, my girlfriend, soon to be fiance wife at the time, uh, in uh, the end of July. We started the program in August. And, you know, within four years, we were playing in the quarterfinal against Santa Clara. And so. You know, have, having started a program, I have a very unique background in the sense of, you know, having been, you know, role player, reserve, starter, volunteer coach, assistant coach, now a head coach, starting new programs, established programs, uh, different region of the country. So being able to build the Michigan program was really exciting. You know, a different type of student athlete, a different type of university, to be honest, in Indiana, even though it's in the Big Ten um and it was a great thing for me to kind of expand my knowledge of of coaching and the opportunities that come with it and certainly more so in fact I just spent the last 45 minutes hanging out with some friends i worked with in Michigan you know and from there um things changed we went down to UAB and worked for Mike Getman another Hoosier uh, had two very good seasons down there with him and, and by that time Todd was ready to become a head coach and called me in, you know, January or so of of 09 and said, hey, we're going to Wisconsin. I'd love to have you involved and went there with him and everything else kind of for the IU opportunity came back in 10 and went from 10 to 14 and had a great opportunity in 12 with a team that that was very good and won another championship and then got some head coaching opportunities.
1: Yeah, so you, uh, I love that story, and Steve Burns, I mean, I I always say Steve Burns is the one guy that can make Woody Hayes into a Michigan fan, I mean, (laughs) right, I mean, that guy, was he unbelievable, he
5: bleeds bleeds maize and blue, oh my goodness,
1: right, Uh, yeah, he was so great, and he was always fun (laughs) to talk to, because he you know, give you a whole bunch of stuff for a TV guy, you yeah, know, sure. so um, good for you. So the, I didn't realize UAB was slipped in there as well, oh, and yeah. then Wisconsin, and then over. Okay, all right, so you're riding along, and I, everybody wants to be a head coach, Sure. and
5: you say, I'm going for it. Yeah, you know, I was at IU uh, in, like I said, 2010 through 2014, we, we'd we had, or 13 rather, we'd had some success in 10, we won the Big Ten regular season, 11 was We'll call it an off year where we didn't win anything. In uh, 12, we actually had the ultimate success of winning the national championship. And then in 13 was a very good growth year as a coach because we were under 500. Yeah. Um, we were struggling. Had to the Ten to, Ten we had to win the Big Ten tournament. But we kept telling the guys that if anyone from the outside ever looked in, they would never know your record because the guys just had a very great personality about the group. They kept fighting every day. There was no discontent. It was just one of those years where the game is a fickle thing. And you know, coach coach always used to say, it's not about scoring goals, it's about creating chances. If you create enough chances, the goals will eventually go in. And that was just one of the years where the goals weren't going in. Um, So we got to the point of the Big Ten tournament. We had some great success, obviously winning that uh, and getting the opportunity to play in the tournament. Uh, And then the summer of 2014, uh, through a series of of unfortunate events in the Logan uh, Fleck passing away at Stetson, um, an opportunity opened for me to go down there. Uh, It was a pretty quick decision, but it was one that I thought I was ready for. My family's in that area. I was from Orlando, um, so I had some ties there. And in a very short window of time, I made the decision to go and and take that jump to be a head coach and had a great, great opportunity. Um, was coach of the year in the Ace Sun in 2014, yeah. um, had some missteps in 2015, um, and for whatever reason, the university decided to make a different decision. That's the way our business is, mm. and so I had the opportunity that, that year to go back and work with a buddy of mine, Andy Fleming. Uh, he needed some help at Xavier, so we did some work there, and after that season was over, the Chance at Marion opened up, and you know, being from Indiana with my adult career, My wife is from Muncie, which isn't far from where we live now. Uh, Had an opportunity to be around family again uh, and still lead a program, so I took it. And that's where we are.
1: How hard was that Stetson deal, Ernie? I mean, because you're moving around and that type of thing, and you're having success (laughs) and stuff, and and, and how have you grown from it?
5: Well, you certainly look at every opportunity for what it's provided you in positives and negatives. I think you learn, you know, I think someone said earlier, um, you learn a lot, I was listening to Becky Burley this morning, And it's the first losing season she's ever had. And she said, you know, I did a lot more soul searching this year because you learn a lot more from losing oftentimes than you from winning. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, whether it's a player relationship, whether it's a administrative relationship, uh, whether it's scheduling in terms of who you want to play to make sure you have enough wins, you kind of learn to look at things holistically um, and try to find places uh, that you feel you can be successful, you know, and. At the end of the day, obviously being close to my family is great. Um, You know, being around people in Orlando that we love was one thing, uh, but having the opportunity to get back to the Midwest um, and find a place to be happy with your with your whole family uh, even better.
1: Here with Ernie Yarborough, now the head coach in Indiana. And uh, tell me again, the division and the name of the university?
5: It's Marion University. Uh, We are an NAI school. Uh, We compete in the Crossroads League, which has schools from Indiana, Michigan, Ohio. Uh, And we're in the process of building that program into what we hope can be a regional and national contender.
1: Big 10 school comes calling you though for a big time (laughs) assistant coaching job.
5: You gotta listen, right? You do. I'm fortunate to have a lot of friends in a lot of places. You know, I was Kayla Porter's roommate in college. Uh, For his one of his years Um, Stay in touch with him. Obviously, you know, I I work for the Indiana Fire DA Academy as well as part of my work in Indiana Um, So there's always gonna be chatter if you will Um, You know, but I'm very happy like my AD asked me this year. He's like, how are things going? I said, I'm happy. He said then we're good. You know, I think it's I, I found a place now with my family my kids are in a great school district. My wife is, is enjoying the experience. And so there's a lot to be said for making sure you're happy off the field as much as you are on it. Uh, but certainly any opportunities that are, are serious enough to look at and can provide avenues to continue to grow and, and get better as a coach are things that you have to look at. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the future.
1: Finally, last thing, you know that United Soccer Coaches, they changed the name for a reason. <laughs> it kind of does bring us all together, right? To be reflective, Uh, we got to hang out with the Godfather in a couple sessions. He doesn't always do that
5: kind of stuff. It was pretty neat, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've known him obviously now for the last 25-ish years and uh, I've seen him in every possible scenario. Um, The one thing I will say, and I tell this to everybody that asks me about Coach, I've never met someone, yourself included, um, who's ever had a bad thing to say about him as a person? Mm-hmm. You may not agree with the soccer you may not agree with the tactics and the, and the results here and there. but when it comes down to who you are as an individual, the character piece that you heard a lot about today, you know the thing that Becky Burley talked about in her sessions the thing that Colleen Hacker and uh, and is it why yeah, the other Limer, woman yeah, yeah. she was talking about and then obviously Anson and coach and that doesn't change. He's, he, he is who he is. He's been that way his entire life and career. And and I can't think of someone better for me um, to have had at that age of my life, as well as a mentor through my career. Uh, And I've had the fortunate opportunity to be around a lot of great coaches, not just in soccer, you know, working at Michigan, working at Wisconsin, you know, obviously working in Indiana, you have a lot of great coaches in general, um, and you pick pieces from everybody. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's how you handle people. Uh, And I really feel that Coach, in his role as a man manager, Uh, Was spectacular and I think you saw a lot of that today and the opportunity and I put it on Facebook and and linked you into that as well (laughs) Uh, And just basically said, you know, what a great opportunity for everyone else to see that Um, you know, even Todd (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was funny, even seeing Todd on the stage and, and Coach telling some stories about his younger years, yeah. and even his reaction was like, "Hey, we tell these in the in the Indiana family, right?" But now you're talking about them kind of on a nat- yeah. national stage. Let it Tom, out there, and to see Todd uh, have those kind of uh, reactions was kind of funny because I've known him quite a while as well, and it's just great to see them get recognized for what they are. They're a great family. It's not just the coaches; it's the wives, it's the children. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have them in my life. I'm very fortunate to have the IU soccer family, the extended family, the coaches, the people that we meet here um, as as mentors and friends. And you know, I kind of pinch myself every time I come to one of these and be like, "How did I get here?" I'm yeah. just some, as I like to say, I'm just some fat kid from Florida that was good in goal.
1: <laughs> no, I, here's the thing, Ernie. Like. Uh, and you can attest to this I've known you a long time we've never done this no. but I'm not kidding I knew it was going to be great and I can tell you it was better than great you
5: No, know, you and I have hung out without the microphones in front of <laughs> our face enough uh, but no I, I really enjoy what you do I think it's great for the sport I think you have a great passion for what you bring to the conference what you bring to the events that you do uh, and your voice has started to resonate as kind of that, that piece that is Big Ten soccer I really enjoy that oh, you're kind man this was great good All stuff right. well, I man best to your family Tim. appreciate it All thank right. you very much Ernie
1: Yarbrough he's one of the best alright we'll have more from Podcast Row coming up as the Indiana Soccer Podcast on the Hoosier Network with Eddie Cotton and Josh Eastern gotta go Indiana following up Ernie Yarbrough right they're next after this message Team Snap's awesome I have five teams on Team Snap there are no questions asked by the players the parents very easy to use very
6: very very easy Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap, part of our Evergreen Edition on Podcast Row at the 2019 United Soccer Coaches Podcast, where there's about ten different podcasts going on. We talked to all of them. You've heard from different ones every week here as we've gone on, pushing toward another college soccer season. If it started tomorrow, I would be happy. I think these guys would be happy as well. They're not on podcast roll. They should be, though, because they're great. It's Indiana Soccer Podcast on the Hoosier Network. Eddie Cotton, Josh Eastern, they're legends in Bloomington, (laughs) and now I get to hang out with you guys and I've enjoyed getting to know you, and part of the reason is I appreciate great college soccer, right? And the Indiana Hoosiers coming off an incredible year, the double, the Mack Herman Trophy winner.
6: I don't know if you heard, but I was kind of pushing Gootman a little bit during the season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had some absolutely fantastic plays in the semifinals of the Big Ten Tournament. That goal against Maryland, I mean, you're not going to see a better one in college soccer.
7: And the goal call itself was incredible. Like,
6: <laughs> ah, you're sweet. You're, no, the,
1: you're asking the
7: question, how does he do it? I mean, <laughs> no one really knows how he does it, but he, he made, made this season a cakewalk.
1: All right. So that's the voice of Eddie Cotton. The voice you just heard a second ago was Josh Eastern as we're going to spend some time with these guys. You get the podcast thing. I mean, because it's, you guys are young pups, you know, I'm an old fat guy, (laughs) but
6: I mean, you guys have a good time doing it, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have our own little setup in, in Franklin Hall at Indiana University. We have great facilities over there and I mean, it's fun to to talk with a lot of people. We've had Trey Muse on, Andrew Grootman on, Frankie Moore on, uh, among a a few others. We had Todd Yeagley on a few years ago. It's just fun to talk to a lot of these people and get kind of in-depth with them
1: because you guys also call the games, right? Mm-hmm.
7: Yep, we, are, we do the BTN Student New broadcast as well whenever you don't get to get, get the call. <laughs> uh, and we cover the team as well, but the insight we're able to get on the podcast network has been it's been special because you get these guys just to dive into stories about how they got into soccer, what Indiana soccer's like, and also the weird stuff about Todd Yeagley as a head coach and his <laughs> very unique quotables that you can only get on our podcast, so... Uh, it's been interesting insight for a program that's so great to hear how weird it is as well.
1: <laughs> and do I have this right? You guys kind of flip-flop sometimes where like one guy will do play-by-play, one guy will be an
6: analyst, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tell me why you guys do that. Um, I think we both know the team well enough where I think we can kind of go back and forth. I, this is my third year officially covering the team. You've covered it basically yep. just as long. We've followed the program for all four years we've been at Indiana. And we both like to do play-by-play. We, we enjoy doing that, but we also like sitting in the analyst chair and kind of breaking down what, what Yakely's doing, what, what kind of changes he, he needs to make on the field, and just kind of fun to, to, to dive into that stuff.
7: And also with that, I mean, we're doing this because we're college students and not for long, though, and we're looking for careers. And doing being an analyst and doing play-by-play, great for us to get repetitions. And if anyone's listening and wants to hire a college student to cover <laughs> soccer in any way, let me know. My, hit, my, hit my Twitter DMs.
1: He's serious, by the way. He says that all the time. <laughs> and uh, we love hearing that. And, Eddie, I got to admit, like I, I never know if you're serious when you learn you're doing it or if I'm doing it or if you're saying, hey, I think we're going with an upgrade. We're going with student you today for this big <laughs> game.
7: <laughs> I love when you do it. I just slightly love it more when I do
1: it. <laughs> well said. I always uh, get a chuckle when I see that. And uh, By the way, I didn't get mentioned uh, when you listed all your
6: guests on the podcast, but I had a good time being yes, on your podcast, no, uh, yes, too. Yes, we, we loved having you on. It was right before the Big Ten tournament yeah. kind of breaking down. Uh, you were our biggest gonna- get. Not
7: anybody. It's it's you and and soon-to-be Celtic legend Andrew Goopman. They're, like, tied.
1: Yeah. So, okay, (laughs) let's talk about that. You're here to cover the draft, right? Griffin Dorsey decided to turn pro. Rico's here, as you call him, Reese Buckmaster. What is the deal with Goopman? Are they going to say his name, or is he saying he's going over there? What's going on with all that? It
6: it sounds like he's pretty close to a deal with Celtic. He went on trial at the end, just before Christmas, at the end of December. Uh, with Rangers over there and we didn't really hear about Celtic until a few days before the draft and all of a sudden Celtic came in and now he's kind of weighing those offers but seems like he's going to go to Celtic which is top of the Scottish Premiership right now in the Champions League or was in the Champions League now now in Europa but I and mean, that's huge for an Indiana University athlete.
7: And what it seems like is the Chicago Fire didn't really ante up the, the proper funding for Goodman to stay in MLS and that's kind of disappointing to see, uh, having the Matt Herman not stay in American soccer. But it is incredible for American soccer as well to see a guy like that go from Indiana University to potentially playing Champions League soccer with Celtic.
1: Incredible year for Indiana. They beat Maryland twice during the regular season, but it was the Terps' time. I gotta believe you guys were heartbroken with that result.
6: Yeah, I mean that was that that Friday night game against Maryland was a little bit shocking to both of us because they. They just didn't have it for that one night. And I know it's soccer and anything can happen on, on, on any given night, but it kind of shocked us a little bit. We, went, we we were out there as well because cause we followed this team all the way, and it's been so fun to, to uh, do that. But, I don't know, it was it, – it was kind of weird on Sunday we were like "All right, we're just going back to the airport and that's about it
7: Yeah, and also it's a little odd with the dynamic of being a journalist covering the team you're not supposed to be a fan of the team but you still root for their success because that means you get opportunities so if they if they make the national championship Josh and I are both writing stories from the national championship but we went down on the field and talked to the players after the game and Daniel Rourke actually came up to assistant coach for Indiana and apologized to us for losing Mm. and I thought that was one remarkable that anyone would do that we immediately were like no 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 you don't need to apologize sir like you guys put in all the effort This, this is all you but yeah it just shows kind of the the mentality of the coaches and players they just want to make people happy and and the
6: appreciation uh, they have for us i mean we've just just walking around here talking with a few coaches they they say thank you for your coverage because they they absolutely love it
1: i know well you guys do a great job for sure and i don't think you have to apologize for being a fan it's part of the passion of what you love doing you know i certainly don't apologize for it and never will so (laughs) make sure you guys don't uh listen i've really enjoyed getting to know you it's even better to spend time with you guys in person you know and uh Uh, Come see me after the draft if you can, and thanks for being with us. Eddie Cotton, Josh Eastern, they're part of the Indiana Soccer Podcast on Hoosier Network. Good stuff, guys. Keep it up. Thank you.
6: Thank you very much. Thanks to the folks
1: from the Indiana Soccer Podcast, Ernie Yarborough, head coach of Marion and NAIA, Leslie Gallimore, past president of United Soccer Coaches, and Andy Hiley, at-large board member for United Soccer Coaches. Special shout-out to Michael Knipper, communications officer for United Soccer Coaches, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. We'll see you back here in two weeks for another edition of our United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap.
0: United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org/join.